Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Righteous Prick Podcast. I'm your host, J.L. Covan. It is 10.09 a.m. Eastern on March 6th in the year of our Lord, 2023. Um, Last week was a bummer episode, for sure, so thanks for enduring it. Um, This will probably be a quick episode. I got physical therapy at 11. Granted, it's across the street from me, so it's a quick commute to PT, but the shoulder is finally, it's loosening up. Um, Traveling. Is, is painful. Uh, Metro North and Amtrak, for some reason, their seating or the way I fit into their seats just exacerbates like back and shoulder pain for me. But other than that, uh, definite improvement. So I thought I'd start with some good news. Uh, there will be a blog recap that I will write sometime today. So it should be up by the time you hear this Tuesday or later. Uh, I was in Boston this weekend. Uh, a funny, mostly disappointing journey to Boston. Funny, uh, the show went well. The people who were there were great. I will say, um, just to give you guys, as I like to do, the numbers, um, if you discount food and beverage, which I have to because, like, I have to eat no matter where I am, um, I made $170 profit on the gig. Uh, My opener, Joe Pontillo, comic from New York, made uh, $250 profit on the gig. So that is, I think, very emblematic because I obviously – Bought the, I got the hotel. I was going to have a hotel regardless, so I let him stay. He gave me a ride home, which saved me money on one of my Amtrak trips. But I think there's there's really nothing more to say than uh, open for me, and you'll make more money than me. Uh, I think that's pr- a pretty good summation of my comedy career. Um, the people that showed up were great, um, but I will say, you know, I had 140 tickets sold in 2021 in Boston. I sold like 70 tickets in 2022. I sold 45 tickets. So uh, not sure, barring a miracle from one of my specials, not sure I will ever perform in Boston again. I don't say that like to screw the city because what was great is that the weird thing is that I had even fewer fans show up because there were a lot of just random people coming out on a Friday to see a comedy show, which was great because those people loved the show. Like I had several people come up to me and go, I had no idea who you were, but you were a great stand-up. That was an amazing set. And that's, of course, great. I need that to happen on a scale of like tens of thousands so that my career can kind of shift from guy who does impersonations that, you know, distract me in my office to stand-up comedy fans who want to see a really good stand-up comic. So it's like every person that comes to my show that's never heard of me and now likes me solely because of stand-up comedy is worth a hundred of my so-called fans who like my impressions, just in terms of like my career going forward. So, But that means I probably only sold like 25 to 30 tickets max to people who like were pre-existing fans. So that's, you know, that's that those numbers tell you like I am no longer reaching or of interest to people who are my fans. And I know I've lamented that point. This is just sort of a data thing, but that's so when I say could be my last show in Boston, I'm just life is too precious and my time is too precious, unfortunately, for people who are fans to go and make spend like two days of my life to make a hundred dollars for a dwindling a fan base of dwindling interest. So thank you to all who did come out in Boston. If if you do listen to the show, uh, I hope it's not my last time in Boston. I'm obviously hoping that half blackface and person of height, the, the, you know, the forthcoming eighth hour, uh, do, do some work, do some business for me and, and sort of change the trajectory of my career. I didn't, I didn't think 
I need like a such a pivot or another miracle, but I do. Like that's just let's just face facts. Um, without lamenting it like I did last week, that's that's what I need. I need another Trump video, but this time for stand-up comedy to to generate a new fan base that's interested in what I actually do. Um, I was in Fairfield, Connecticut last night. Uh, so the road recap will be like the fun recap. You guys get the fucking maudlin uh, side of the story. Um, Fairfield last night, um, I was happy. I had probably like a dozen people because the, the crowd was, we had like 25 people. But I think at least like 10 to 12 were like specifically there for me. Um, some people I knew from the past, some were like brand new people who were like shouting out stuff about the Utah jazz. And, and I was like, Oh, okay. So you are like an actual fan. That's oh, very cool. Um, thank you, uh, for being here. I hadn't, I, I'm not gonna lie. I had a fucking kick ass set. And even the Q and a after, like I started doing Italian guy. Cause somebody asked me about like what I felt about like Sebastian Mascalco and like, um, and, and I started doing Italian guy and like multiple people were like, you got to put that on the next special. So people really dig a Italian guy character, but it was a phenomenal set. All the new material, like all the 45 minutes I did was all material for the eighth hour that I'm recording at the end of this month. And there were some ad libs and bits are really crushing. Like there's like three or four big long bits that are like really hitting hard, which of course excites me. But I had a lot of ad libs that were really fucking funny. I went into a Trump impression that just judging by my own ears was like, the best I've ever sounded as Trump. And I saw a woman like gasping, like she was somebody who maybe didn't know who I, like she was gasping because it was so fucking eerily accurate. And the theater said they were going to tape the set. I brought my, my camera, uh, Sean, the guy who produced the show, brought his camera. And they had this beautiful like high tech like setup for video. And they're like, we'll, vi we'll videotape your set. And I was like, oh, hell yeah, because it looked great. And then I actually checked with the AV guy like 15 minutes before I went on, I was closing the show and I said, you're taping it, right? So I double checked and he was like, yep, I get a text. I'm on the fucking Metro North sitting next to a, a, a mom and daughter who were just who they played music and TikToks so loud for the entire 90 minutes back to the city. So I'm just like, this will be in the road recap. Don't worry. But I, I then look at my phone. I get a text. I was talking to a fan of the show. I, let's call him. Let's call him. Let's call him friend in real life. If, if, you, if you come to my shows and I have enough social media interactions with you over a fucking decade, we can just say friend. I don't like to do that only because then I feel like I've lost a fan. Even though I haven't lost a fan, you know, the ego wants just pure fans. But he's a friend. He's a really good guy. Uh, Keith from, from Connecticut. Um, if we formed a band, we'd be, we'd be KC and the, the Cloudy Band. Um, Keith from Connecticut, that's the KC instead of sunshine on the fucking gray cloud band. Anyway, um, I got a text. I, I didn't get the text. My phone is on silent cause I'm an adult. And I looked at the phone when I got on the train while trying to like block out, um, the, the nonstop, like I wanted to say something and I just, I don't want to be like intimidating to people, you know? So I say nothing, but it was, it was torture, you know, it's like 10 PM. Do you know where your kids are? Yes, your fucking kid is on the train with you. Neither of you have fucking headphones. Like I want to like I wish there was a John Wick but just for people who play music and videos loudly in public without headphones. Like when did this become the norm normal behavior? Just wear some fucking headphones. Anyway, I'm in that state of mind when I get a text that says, "You must really be jinxed. They forgot to tape the sets." And I wanted to throw myself off the train. Like just for a moment. This is why I can never have a gun. <laughs> um, I was just saying, you, you, I don't, 
I don't know how this is happening. Like, I really believe that this is like, I'm not supposed to do comedy anymore. Like this, I cannot have, the bad news was supposed to be, we only sold 25 tickets. Granted, I was getting a fixed check for the show. So like, it didn't depend on me, but we only sold 25 tickets. That's bad, but it was a beautiful show and I crushed it. And the fan, they were great. So like you make lemonade out of lemons, but then, oh no, but now, um, please choke on this lemon rind while you're going home. Like you thought you had lemonade. It turns out we left too much pulp. We actually just put the lemon peel in it. And now you're choking to death on the train home after thinking you had just made lemonade out of lemons. In fact, the lemon rind is choking you. <laughs> and that's what it felt. And I was like, I can't, it can't, I can't. I would have taped it myself. Just, just not for like content, but for myself. Cause I don't know if you guys know this. I'm a comedian who cares about his fucking work and making his sets better. I would have taped it just for myself so I could hear it and make notes of like that ad lib's got to stay in the set, blah, blah, blah. But now I have nothing. I have no record of it. I don't remember half the ad libs that I do during a show. Um, so that, that was like, it was like a perfect way to end. I got home at fucking 1am exhausted. Just like the only thing keeping me awake was like a little bit of rage burning inside me. Um, so yeah, great shows, horrible career, uh, you know, the, the shows were great comedically. The people who showed up to the shows were a great audience. But, you know, the bottom line is like everything about this weekend says you're good at comedy and you should definitely not pursue it as a profession. Like that's that's what I got. So that's that. Yesterday, of course, I went to mass and I haven't given you an update on um, on 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 the music situation at my church. But, man, I never realized how an attractive Filipina playing the organ could really raise my spiritual, like my soul. But now we're just stuck. We got like some four, like, man, at 830 mass, it's just, we have a, we have a, we have a, the new organist instead of a, 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 a thick, attractive Filipina woman is a, a thick middle-aged black man. So if that's your thing, maybe now you're, maybe, maybe the ladies in the parish are like, finally, I, my spirit is moving, but I'm just like, no, where is my, where is, where is my Fili Filipina queen? That would be a good Billy Ocean song, right? Philippine queen, now mass don't mean a thing. <laughs> I'm just sitting here all sad with no organist whose body's bad. Doot, doot, doot. No, I don't know. I, I, I've lost my touch, guys. Like I, I've lost my, my freestyle music touch. But um, And then the singer for the 830 mass is like, Hey, uh, like, I am, uh, I am the foreign woman singing hymns. And I'm like, no, no, that ain't it. <laughs> this is not it. You are not her. Um, and then the 1030 mass is like choir, but it's like everybody gets a shot at singing. Like they had some old dude just singing. And I was like, is this what we lost? <sighs> I'm just saying we lost. The main singer, the, the, the lead singer before was this like five, nine pog. Sorry to be blunt. I know it's church, but I'm just, I'm giving you a visual. So she was our, and then it was like the, 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 the deceptively like hot Filipina woman, Philip, though, yeah, Philippine, Philippine woman, Filipina, whatever. Filipinas. Okay. That's what was, no, I'm, I'm just kidding guys. I'm just making jokes. You know, I'm not thinking, but it was like. She was she was tickling the ivories and tickling my ball set. No, I'm just kidding, guys. I'm not going there. 
Okay, this is church. This is holy talk. This is whole. This is church corner with Jo. Not afraid of eroticizing the organ player. Just trying to lift souls and spirits. Um, but like the new the ten thirty mass is is unbearable because it's like not only is it we are singing hymns, leading the charge and doing like real hardcore like choral orchestration, like she's fucking Olivia Tarr, but. Then they just have, like, a dude come up, okay, this dude's going to sing the psalms. This dude can't sing. I appreciate his enthusiasm, but he can't even sing. So this is what we've done now. This is what we've done in church. We've traded, we've, we've traded uh, 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 my, 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 my church, my church porn fantasy for, for, for this. Lord, what is going on? It was bad enough when you told me you didn't want me to go do comedy. Now it's like you're telling me you don't even want me to go to mass anymore. Um... So that's your church update. It's fun times. Um, so I just finished. Um, oh, oh, uh, Patreon message. Um, this is just a reminder for the dwindling people who joined my Patreon. Thank you for, 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 for staying. I guess it's like my comedy career. Maybe it's like all quiet on the Western front, like spoiler, but it's like you get to the end and you're like, this was definitely not worth it. <laughs> um, but uh, tomorrow night, we're celebrating the 500 days of Bummer, which is uh, the amount of time since... Actually, today, I think, is the 500th day since I first recorded Half Blackface. Uh, I gave final approval this weekend, so I don't even know what that means. Now we begin the process of trying to sell it. So will that take two weeks, a month, 19 years? I don't know, but I am now done with the process. I've technically been done with it for a while, but I finally was able to just say, okay, watch the final version with credits, blah, blah, blah. We're done. Good. Go sell it. Don't sell it. I'll beg my 19 fans who give a shit to buy it. And eight of them will tweet like this special is amazing. Good for you. I'm see, I see why you were so pissed. This really is a masterclass. And then fade into obscurity per usual. Um, but it's done from my end. Uh, so tomorrow night we're having the live, the, the monthly live hangout. Uh, so when you hear this, it's tonight. If you listen on Tuesday to the Righteous Prick podcast, it's Tuesday night, 8.30 p.m. Uh, Eastern. Um, the, the invite will be in the Patreon for the great fans uh, uh, level. Um, and we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll talk about what's gone on in the world over the last 500 days since I first recorded my special. And, and that'll be that. Um, so that'll be the live hangout. Uh, this month for Patreon. Um, I just finished Unscripted, uh, the first of two books I'm reviewing this month on uh, on Patreon. Now I'm reading Woody Allen's autobiography, which, you know, as expected, is already, I'm only 20 pages in, and it's very witty, and so far, no abuse whatsoever. Um, so that's an update on Patreon. My Patreon, I think I'm dipped under 100 now, so it's, it's um, you know, like I said, I'm holding on to Patreon and to making podcasts great again, just so I can reach the people that I know are at least seriously interested in what I do. But uh, I have very little interest in continuing either of those things, given the numbers, given my frustrations for years now with making podcasts great again. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, I just gotta fucking move on with my, I, I definitely need to move on with my life. Um, but I don't know. Um, I, I just, you know, I did the, I'm doing these specials, so it's like, I might as well reach the people who appear to be fans um, of some some measure. So uh, I know that the algorithm will, will deny me connection to many of those people if I quit 
the direct link of Patreon and making podcasts great again. But those are those are two things that obviously the market has spoke. My when it comes to making podcasts great again, my 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 heart is not in it anymore. Um, I but I do enjoy the interactions with the fans, and I do enjoy the fact that people really do seem to to like it. Still, um, and then the Patreon is just kind of like another humiliation, really, which I don't have to volunteer for humiliation. I just, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to join the Patreon. That's cool. Like nobody's, but, but like, you know, I have to, you know, the market is speaking and the market is saying no thanks to a lot of what I do. So what, what are you going to do? Like make people be fans. You can't do that. Um, and uh, as far as shows coming up, before I get to my uh, discussion of Chris Rock's special uh, shows coming up, we have uh, DC uh, March nineteenth. Chris Lamberth is officially on the on the on the bill. Thank fucking God. Um, you know, was, you, I already went into this. It was so fucking. And it's so. Once again, it's just. At this point in my career, if I'm not going to have the success I want, fine, so be it. I'm, I, I can I can sort of deal with that as inexplicable and as frustrating as it can be. But small indignities, I cannot fucking tolerate. Um, I just can't. Uh, and and you know, just just feeling like I'm hassling you by just simply getting the show I was promised. You're going to make me feel like I'm a fucking burden? Fuck that. Um, and then on top of that, then we have uh, Philly City Winery. So anybody around Philly, please come out to that show. It's going to be a really good one. Mick DeFlow is opening for me. He's he's his his he's like from the Philly area. His people are fucking fired up for the show. Like, so I can tell you right now, just I'm going to have to do the thing that like Tony Monero did at the end, of, like in, in Saturday Night Fever, where he was like, he knew it was racist that the Latin couple lost the dance competition to him. So he's like, you guys can't even be honest with me now. And then he like takes the trophy and gives it to the Latin couple. He's like, you deserve this more than I do. And, you know, it was uh, it, like Mick may end up like packing the crowd more than me, at which point, like I've promised him a certain amount of money, but I'll be like, fuck that. You, you take you, you split the fucking door or, or take more at least. Um, obviously I'm the reason he's in at the venue, but like, you know, if, if past his prologue, he's, he's going to like get 40 tickets sold and I'm going to get like 20 tickets sold, which is like uh, cool, but, um, that'll be a great show for sure. Um, I've always been a big fan and, and friend of Mick. Um, so I'm glad he's on the show and then I'm in Princeton the day after. So that's, that's Philly on the 24th, uh, Princeton on the 25th and then, um, half black, uh, no, that's half black face is the old one. Uh, person of height working, working, working title person of height is, um, March 31st and April 1st. Um, if you can make the March 31st show, uh, and that's the one you want to go to, I suggest you buy tickets very soon because <sighs> I'm going to say something that I can't believe I'm going to say, but I'm going to have to cancel the Friday show. It seems, um, we're, we're under four weeks till a tape, my taping, and I've sold a total of 10 tickets to two shows, uh, out of 230 available seats. Um, I, I have to record this material once because I'm very happy with it. And, I, and as I've said, I, I can't be more clear in my passion for this. I cannot allow half blackface to be the last thing I do as a comedian. Um, the experience has been fucking mental 
and spiritual torture and, and nothing short of that. And maybe I take it too seriously, but that's just a fact of how it feels. Like I have, I've dealt with two people who are supposed to be on my side who have, who have fucking, uh, one in particular who has basically gutted my fucking career at the most critical moment and has shown almost zero contrition. Uh, and it, 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 it fucking eats at me. So, so half blackface, I will, I will do a fucking new set in front of three people if that's what it takes just for half blackface, not to be the last thing I do, major thing I do as a comedian. But <laughs> the, the problem is I am selling no ticket. Like, like I, I'm even my pessimistic self is kind of flabbergasted and stunned at how bad the sales are for this. Um, so I, I guess the likely, the likely scenario is that I do the show Saturday only, which opens me up, of course, to something that I'm trying to, 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 to avoid, which is one show. Because I don't know if you've heard me over the last year and a half, every one show I've recorded, whether it was Fairfield last night or the two half blackface sets, have been butchered. So I thought, well, I got to do two sets and I got enough fans that they'll be like, you know, they'll want to come out and show support and fucking be at both, you know, like, like fill up at least like, let's get half a crowd for the Friday and like a pretty full crowd for Saturday. Cause then I have like B roll and like backup footage. Um, but 10 tickets with less than a month to go for two shows, you know, what's 10 divided by, I am at 10 out of a hundred would be 1%. So I'm under half a percent sold, which even for me and my like self-deprecating shit is genuinely devastating and pathetic. So chances are it will just be a Saturday show, but I hope there's even one, I hope we have one show <laughs> right now. I can't even really guarantee that we're going to have one show, which is, um, I don't know. That's a low point even for me, to be honest. Like I don't, I don't, I mean, we're under a month and I, I don't know what to do to get people to buy tickets. Um, uh, you know, this leaves me in the fate of half blackface. Like, well, maybe if I get a publicist and they get me on big podcasts and the, sh and the show gets written up a lot, but that's like, what are the odds of that? Like, they're very, very slim. And for any comedian, and for me, uh, they're probably non-existent. So um, if, if, if you're, I think in the next week, if Friday was going to be the night you go to the show, I think you should get tickets now. Um, because obviously if ticket sales boost for Friday, I'll keep the Friday show. I have better expectations for the Saturday show, but really I don't have very good expectations for either at this point. But um you know, in the next 10 days, I'm going to have to make a call on canceling one of the shows. So if you're going to buy tickets and you have friends that are going to buy tickets and you're, yeah, it, the time is like now I, it can no longer be like a, I'm thinking about if you, if you can't go, you can't go, but if you can go and or, and or want to go, just get the tickets. And I hate to make that fucking, that begging bullshit plea. But like, obviously I'm telling you the, the, the behind the scenes, like I've sold 10 tickets between the two shows. So like, I got to move tickets or I got to cancel a show. Um, so, so hopefully that's a call to action, but it, it hasn't worked so far. Um, so we'll see. Um, I, I, I got to stop talking about this because it's, it's making me really depressed. Uh, but um, beyond that, beyond um, podcast sexual harassment of my former organ player and uh, shows and whatever else I was talking about, um, 
let's talk about Chris Rock and then I'll, and I'll uh, go over to physical therapy and let you guys uh, live your lives. So I watched, I didn't watch it live because I was very in a very, very bad mood um, Friday night as I often am. I think it stemmed from a conversation I was having with a righteous girlfriend where she just get, like was distracted by something and I was literally talking and I'm, I'm, I'm exhausting. Let's be honest. If you guys are fucking bored of me, imagine what it's like living with me. But um, I was just, you know, having like a breakdown, I think, uh, <laughs> over, over my comedy career and just things going like horribly wrong, like with the Boston, like just, just coming home from Boston and just being like, I can't even get, like, I'm not even getting my own fans to shows. It's not even about, like, I talked to my mom about it and she was like, well, is there anybody, you have, you know, a lot of big time comedians, can they promote you or could they do you a favor or could, and I was like, my issue is not reaching new, I have to reach new people. But right now I'm just dealing with the crisis of my large fan base genuinely doesn't actually care about my comedy. And I don't mean care like, why don't you like me? It's more like I just assumed I made the stupid assumption, which seems intuitive. I have a lot of fans, so they like my comedy. And that somehow isn't lining up. And so I was just, and she got like distracted by something. And I was just, I like gave her the fucking silent treatment for the next 24 hours. Cause I was just so like, I feel like my life is slipping away. Not literally, but like the thing I've dedicated my life to is like slipping away. And I, I don't understand. Um, it's like my comedy career has like a terminal disease and I, I can, there's no medicine for it. There's no, um, your comedy's like bad medicine. Um, it's, and, and that's, I mean, just to give you my frame of mind, that's what it feels like. It feels like I'm watching my comedy career like die and there's nothing I can do about it. It doesn't matter what, what I do for it or, or how good the doctor is or how good the treatments are. It's dying. And I don't understand. And it's it's really frustrating. So, um, and Boston was like an odd, just, you know, it was just an odd thing of like, I made less money than my feature act. I, you know, that's just, it's, it's pathetic. It's fucking pathetic. Um, and obviously my fan, like I had 140, like I already went through this, but it's like, I am drawing like 70% fewer of my own fans to Boston shows than I did two years ago. And like 40% fewer than I did a less than a year ago. Um, and I'm doing new material. Like, that's the thing. I'm like, I'm very conscious of like, no, no, if I have repeat customers, I want them to hear a new set and maybe hear some new impressions. And like, but it doesn't like, it seems like it doesn't really matter because they're not coming either way. So whatever. Um, so I didn't watch it live because I was just not in a great state of mind. So I watched it Sunday morning, which I didn't want to watch it in the morning, but I, I didn't want spoilers or to miss out on any bullshit. So um, morning is not like the typical time to watch stand up, but I, I watched it and, and he made me laugh some. But uh, yeah, I got to I got to say. Um, Chris Rock is my favorite comic of all time. Uh, Bring the Pain and Bigger and Blacker are just two landmark specials to me. Like at his peak, he is my favorite. But he's 58. I didn't realize he was that old. I thought he was like 53 or something. But he's 58. He he looks good for his age, but it's kind of it's like even visually, it's sort of disarming to see this guy that's etched in your mind as this like skinny, angular, high energy, big smile guy. But it's like now you're seeing the the middle aged moving into a, like an AARP Chris Rock. But he's still trying to do. 
he's still leaning into all the things he did as a younger comic and there hasn't been like i don't think like lewis black who's fine but he's he's just he emerged as an old curmudgeon like he became famous as like a late 40s early 50s like i don't like what's going on so he can be like in that mode that's how you know him whereas chris rock is is kind of like even though i think he's a better comedian for in the in the in the history of stand up comedy than russell westbrook is as a basketball player russell westbrook you have to remember is the first guy that like, since oscar robertson to average a triple double and he did it 3 years in a row like uh, russell westbrook at his peak was like a force of nature even if he wasn't the most skilled player in the nba he was just so intense and athletic and explosive and ferocious that he just became a top tier historic NBA player. But as we see him aging, he doesn't have the elite skill set of other players. So as his athleticism starts to wane a little bit, it's like he's still trying to do the things that he's really just now exposing himself as sort of like a average NBA player once he doesn't have the once he's not like the best athlete overall in the NBA. And that's how I kind of felt like watching like like Dave Chappelle. I feel like is more of like a Paul like a Paul Pierce or a Luka Doncic where it's like his slower big body game is just going to age well if he stays healthy because he doesn't go for like explosive pacing. He's always had a little bit of a Cosby delivery in terms of pacing which ages better. Rock's peak was a mixture of great great aggressive material that like was augmented by an aggressive high energy intensity that it just feels a little more forced now like he's trying to be that guy but he doesn't quite have it anymore and he hasn't evolved his voice or pace to be more of an elder statesman of comedy now that's not to say i didn't laugh i i laughed at plenty but it was it was by it was definitely I think probably his weakest special. And I'm, I'm genuinely perplexed by people who are like, I thought it was great. I go, this is why I don't really respect the opinion of, of lots of comedians. Uh, who's that? Nobody. N- Newfoundland, New Jersey. That's a place. Newfoundland, New Jersey. What a weird place. Um, more like not answering the phone, New Jersey. Oh, sick burn. Um, but it's, you know, and obviously everybody's there for the Will Smith stuff, and I didn't even think that was as funny as that. It's like that was more of people going like "ooh," but did I? Th- I didn't think it was that funny. The the joke of him saying like I, w- I only watched Emancipation to see Will Smith get whipped that was like the funniest joke in that chunk. But I didn't even think that was that funny. Um, it was more like yes, this is what we're here for. Oh, he's spilling the tea. Oh, he's fucking going after him. But, um. It felt, I'm not going to say it felt like Bill Maher. It was a far cry from Bill Maher. But it almost felt closer to current Bill Maher. Excuse me. Fucking dying. What the fuck, throat? There you go. Um, Not afraid of cursing his own throat while choking. Um, I, but he's, it almost felt like he's closer to Bill Maher than he is to the old Chris Rock. That's not to say he's a, he's Bill Maher, but he's closer to Bill Maher, I think. If you draw a line of like, here's Bill Maher on the right, here's 1997 Chris Rock on the left. He's a little closer to 2023 Bill Maher in tone, in datedness of sort of references. Um, 
You know, because the problem with being a social commentary comedian um, is Twitter and Facebook are passing you by every week. So, like, if you, you better have the most original fucking take if you're doing current events humor because many of these topics have been beaten to death on social media, which is why, uh, plug for Half Blackface, why talking about COVID from the perspective of dude who became famous out of nowhere is a unique take, and then dude who looks white to most people but is biracial is also a fairly unique take in the comedy world especially somebody of my sort of skills dropping deep personal shit on it so like i'm not talking a lot about current events in my i make references to things but i don't make it the centerpiece of like woke culture let's talk about woke culture let's talk about what's going on with cancel coach it's like do we have to (laughs) So it's it's a tougher landscape for a, a political comedian, whereas Dave Chappelle, whether I obviously am not a fan of his sort of current trajectory and tone in terms of like barely being comedy sometimes, but he's doing a lot of the stuff from personal experience and personal storytelling that you can't be hack or, or dated if you're talking about your own experience, if you know what I mean. So I think um, I was disappointed in in Chris Rock but I think Chris Rock has a style that is that was going to age worse unfortunately but him and his peak is still legendary and my favorite but and I could be wrong maybe this is just a, a blip or whatever but I I didn't his last two specials I haven't been like a huge fan of I'm always going to watch what he puts out but it just feels like his style may may it, it's aging worse than than other comics style um and and that's okay that like this is you know i would never say oh chris rock sucks it, no it was it was like solid but i'm perplexed by people who are like this was amazing or i loved it i'm like oh okay i i clearly don't know what passes for great comedy anymore um uh i can't even make a special go right i can't even get a set in fairfield connecticut to go right i just know that i fucking usually crush with audiences and uh my material is good but what do i know about comedy i like the fact that i feel like i crush 80 percent of the time do good 10 percent of the time and eat a dick 10 percent of the time i think that's that's kind of a good ratio because i don't i i've i've seen people who will just keep pounding that that late night set kind of introductory material and it can always kill. And if there's always a space for somebody who's just going to give you a comedy one Oh one to a crowd, or even if it's like high level comedy one Oh two, um, here's who I am. Here's why it's funny. Here's some references that a good comic like JL will whisper to his girlfriend throughout a set, predicting the punchlines repeatedly. But you know, I, I'm always trying to do move on to the next hour and elevate my stuff. And I like the fact that I fucking bomb, like not bomb, but I do mediocre to poor 10% of the time. Cause that tells me, yeah, I am going to lose some fucking dummies along the way. And that's, if that happens too much, then maybe it's me. But if it happens like 10 to 15% of the time, I kind of go, yeah, that's about right. I don't want you mother, you fucking idiots coming along on the journey. You don't deserve this. If you can't handle me at my Vincent Gardenia references, then you don't deserve me at my Biggie impression. How about that? The closer, by the way, my closer right now on selling out. 
God, it's making me feel good because it is it is fucking crushing. It's crushing. And it's like, it's my social commentary, but a deeper look at where art is going. And I get to incorporate my Biggie impression, which has never been featured in a stand-up uh, album or special by me. So it's great to have the notorious Big showing up. Chris Noth. What if I, what if somebody said to me Notorious B.I.G. and I was like, oh, you mean you mean Chris Noth from Sex in the City? Big. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I guess I mean, yeah, I, I as I said on Facebook, I just think Chappelle is definitely the guy whose game, whose style will will translate. I said this years ago, actually. I just think his style is going to translate to a longer peak. But I think Chris Rock at his peak was the peak. That's that's my take, um, and that's why I always have him as my number one guy after, of course, me. Um, so I got to go to physical therapy, guys. Um, the one person who really consistently makes me feel better now is my physical therapist. So um, you know, if I hope he doesn't get replaced by some Eastern European woman with like a weird voice, like the the singer we have now in church, kind of reminds me of if you saw Dirty Dancing. Remember Baby Sister? She was a brunette with big cans. Like when she's singing at the final event before Patrick Swayze comes in and like fucks Jennifer Grey in front of her dad and everybody's cheering. They didn't really do that, but you get what I'm saying. Um, I was wrong and I say I'm wrong. Oh, by the way, that was the best part in one of my Patreon episodes earlier this year. And I forget which one it was. I might have to find it when I did an, when I did a, a, an impromptu. Now I the t- and it was basically all about Patrick Swayze statutorily raping um, Jennifer Grey, like like Johnny and Baby. But I think that was what the lyric. I redid the lyrics to that song. That was uh, that was an all timer funny moment on Patreon. Not that you care. Moving on from things people don't care about. Let's talk about more things that make people depressed. Um, but yeah, her voice was like la 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 la. And that's like what I hear, like in Eastern European, we are singing to God. And I'm like, where is my Philippine queen? Where is she? What church is she at? What, what pew is she steaming up in New Jersey with her thick hymns? (laughs) Oh God, guys, at least we end on a weird, awkward laugh. But the point is, you're witnessing a career die in slow motion, and maybe it's fascinating. Sometimes that's why people go to NASCAR to see the crashes. Well, maybe that's why you're all here. You're not here to see the content. You're not here to buy anything. You're not here to witness a comedic genius lose his mind. You're just here to see, you know, like Johnny Cash said, I watched a comedy career just to see it die. <laughs> But uh, have a good week, guys. Um, uh, Patreon people, just your reminder, Tuesday night. Uh, so if you're, if you're an early listener to the show and you're a Patreon subscriber, go uh, come join us. Uh, if you're in the great fan tier, and if you don't, that's okay. But we're going to just reminisce over uh, the last 500 days and what the fuck happened to Half Blackface. And talk about some other fun stuff. So thank you. Thank you for listening to this. If you haven't, we're at 199 ratings on Apple podcasts. We've been there for about three weeks. I asked to get to 200 and I would expect nothing less than from my fan base than to get me right there. It's like tantric sex with, with sting. My entire career is tantric. It's like you almost get to where you want to be, but then you don't. 
and it took 25 hours. <laughs> uh, so I know nothing about tantric sex. I just know that Sting probably like fingers a chick for 15 hours and calls it erotic. But I don't know. I don't know what's what tantric. I just know that it's a long time. Oh, we sustain the play. I'm going to get hungry during that time. Can I have snacks during tantric sex? Can I watch a show while we're tantric sexing? <laughs> um Anyway, guys, I'm ignorant. Somebody will probably correct me and go, uh, it's actually a very spiritual practice where you fucking finger an asshole for 19 hours and then uh, uh, stare into each other's eyes and you climax internally. Not afraid of sharing tantric tips that you have no idea what they are. So, guys, have a good week. I've said that like nine times. I never know how to end these things. But thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed part of this. I hope if you're able to come to any of those shows I listed... Uh, Philly and New York being the most critical ones in terms of both economics and making a new special. But if you're near Princeton and that's the one you can make, I'd love to see you in Princeton. If you're in D.C., of course, get those tickets ASAP Rocky. Thank you. Bye. Oh, wait. See you next Tuesday.